Welcome to the Nose Boxing Podcast. <laughs> That's better. With me, Annie Wise, <laughs> with me today on a rather dressed down day. Sun's out. Guns out. We ain't got guns. We ain't got guns. No. no. Um, uh, but if we did have, they'd be out as well. And they don't kill people, but rappers do. In the words of Goldie looking chain. <laughs> Which is what everyone should be considering over a bank holiday weekend. Um, we are... We are minus a chap and armor. We're in duo mode, aren't we? Yeah. This is the original, the original, original pod back when it was terrible. So don't expect anything good. Don't, don't go and listen to any of that stuff either. <laughs> yeah. Don't go and listen to our. There was yeah, because some... back then I didn't know anything about. Bo- oh, wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. It's a uh, vast improvement. <laughs> we never had Harvey back then. Was, no, we didn't uh, have Harvey. Life's better now. Um, And we didn't have. England's answer to Cesar Milan himself, Terry Chapandama. As I say, he he is not in with us today. Wait, He's not why? dead, by no. the way. Like it makes it sound <laughs> like Terry. Um, got eaten by Harvey. He just said he's got to go up to Leeds or something, didn't he? Yeah, he's in Marbella, isn't he? He was sending us texts yesterday saying that he's oh, seen I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a certain British world thing. champion smashed off his nut over there. Yeah, it, that's it. Are, are we are we allowed to? We're not. No. 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 Um, but anyway, I hope, I hope you <laughs> out there have uh, have enjoyed the the sunshine, the lightning, the the, the gale uh, <laughs> of. Oh, sorry. Have we? Come on, you're supposed to at least flesh out a little bit. <laughs> what? Right. Okay. That's enough twaddle. Um, well, I say that. I say that like I'm going to dive straight in as to this rigid agenda. I have some words written out in front of me, which generally... That's no different to normal, don't you? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, But let's start with... Well, do you want to start with Warrington Selby? The review of? Um, Or McDonald in UA? Nah, we'll come on to Warrington Selby later. Okay. Um, Yeah, let's touch on the, uh, the, the Jamie McDonald stuff, first of all. Have you seen it, Andy? Uh, I know this is going to shock you. Right. But uh, definitely on, a yes. On, <laughs> it was 1 minute 30. That's all you had to watch. <laughs> no, I could watch it whilst... You could on, watch it on a GIF. I could watch it now, actually, <laughs> couldn't I? So you tell me what happened. Uh, so, McDonald, it's probably worth saying about the circumstances around the fight beforehand. Um, so there's been this whole narrative that... <laughs> Uh, pretty much everyone on the British side of it, so Sky, Hearn, um, McDonald, Coldwell, have been plotting out about his struggle to make bantamweight, which I appreciate is huge because he's a big man. He's touching like nearly six foot for bantamweight. It's crazy. Um, and so he manages to get into the ring. This is on Friday, our time, because it happened over in Japan. He got into the ring. Um, two stone heavier than what he'd weighed in as. Jeez. Two stone. Are you talking about a bantamweight? 
That's which that, is crazy. Uh, Alvarez so, kind of territory, isn't it? Or is it more? Yeah, than that? but I mean, if you think percentage-wise, because it's such a small yeah. fire, yeah. like it's far bigger percentage-wise. But I mean, it, it raises questions. So he goes in there two stone heavier than what he weighed in at, and then gets absolutely like smashed to pieces within ninety seconds of the fight. Um, this little Japanese monster, Inoue, who stepped up from flyweight to super flyweight, now up to bantamweight, first fight at the weight, goes in and takes out a, a world champion who's not been beaten in 10 years. Um, and did an absolute number on him. Which, I think he was always the betting favourite to win, but to do it in that style and in that manner uh, against Jamie McDonald. So, straight away afterwards, McDonald's like... Right, I'm too big wow. for this weight. Okay, I just seen that knockout. Yeah. yeah. Well, is that the knockdown or the knockout? Because he gets I, put to the canvas. Well, he wobbled him, and I think he's just been put to the canvas. So He gets up after the first knockdown. So he takes a shot to the body, but he'd taken a, a shot around the head Yeah, that's the one around. I think I saw was a bit of a wobble. Um. Wow. Okay, he's absolutely pummeling him on the ropes here. Oh, bosh. <laughs> just, and then the referee steps in yeah. as he falls to the canvas again. So credit to him for getting up. So oh, yeah, I have seen it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but credit to him for getting up because he's out in Japan. He's going to get paid the same amount whether he wins or loses that fight. And you've got this little terrorizing Japanese monster stood on the other side of the ring, like preying on you. You know, you know if you get up, you're only 60 seconds into this fight. That lad's probably got another 11 rounds worth in his engine to go at you. You must be thinking, oh, fuck this. So uh, all right. I want to so, go back to Doncaster. I know. Just to bring this in, uh, this is what I've got to offer, but give me some background as to where Jim McDonald is in, in his career. Like, why is he taking this fight? And, and um, So he's always, always taken hard fights. So he won a world title and then got it stripped and then won it back uh, on the undercard of Frotch Grows 2, I think put someone there um but he's he's someone that Hearn I don't know what he's ever planned for him he signed him off of Dennis Hobson I don't ever know why and so you've got someone who was a world champion then became a world champion again now granted it's the WBA regular version of that title so you've got Ryan Burnett who's also a Hearn fighter who holds the super version of that title essentially (laughs) We just um, love those titles, don't we? Oh, <laughs> that is one of the highlights of boxing. <laughs> it raises a big question mark why you've never paired those two off against one another. Um, so Jamie McDonnell isn't a an asset. He's not a sellable commodity by Hearn. So he's out of Doncaster. Nobody up in Doncaster really buys tickets. They, you know, they've got him his first world title fight at the Keepmo Football Stadium in Doncaster. Um, they just didn't sell that many tickets to it. It's a bit of a shame. Um so he's not somebody that Hearn's going to have as a high priority within his stable. And so instead, they've sent him off around the world, essentially. So he's fought Tomoki Kameda twice over in America. Um, fights that he was expected to lose. And he won both of them on PBC shows in America. Um, and what did that do at that point for him? Did nothing. It, like, it still it didn't mean didn't, anything. It didn't come back to like a huge ovation. It didn't come back to Hearn saying... You know, brilliant. Let's build you now. Let's do. So you've got Ryan oh, Burnett, who is. Who else can I fucking feed you to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what other Japanese men are there that can fuck you up? Right. What's Nayo Inoue up to? Um, and so it was. 
Yeah, you know, he didn't come back to an open arm, open bus top celebration from Hearn. Instead, he then got shipped out to Monaco. So the first Monaco card they did, they put him out there. And then they put him back on it again. Um, so, yeah, I don't really... So he's 32 years old. Is, is this... Oh, that's good knowledge from you. I know, it's, it's excellent, isn't it? Off the top of your head, wasn't it? <laughs> Just... Just there. It was there. I know Jamie McDonald's. Well, he's obviously going to be 32 years old when he was born in 1986. 30th of March, I believe. Was it? It was yeah, a big yeah. day that day. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Hearn's got that tattooed on his penis. So, what are we in a situation, therefore, where if you're, presumably, if you're a boxing promoter and you've got a boxer who, in your words, is not a commodity... What are you using him for? Like, what? what is the purpose of him? I don't know. What's so the like, point of Jamie McDonnell? Sorry, Jamie, if you're listening. That's horrible. But sorry, like, Jamie. <laughs> two-time world champion. But what I would say is it's it's said f- almost from the perspective of what your promoter sounds like he's treating no, you. No, I like. know what you mean, because ultimately you've got a man there who's got a world title, which many other promoters would pay good money to have somebody with any world title. And instead, he's just like fed out around the world. As I say he's fought twice in America. He's fought in Monaco. He's now fought in Japan. He's not doing that with Ryan Burnett, who's a a world champion in the same weight category. With Ryan Burnett, he's trying to build um, Belfast around Ryan Burnett, and like he's had home shows. He's defended his world title there, like headlining shows. Um, and so you just don't get that if you're Jamie McDonald. So. <laughs> He's not somebody who shifts tickets in quantities large enough for Eddie Hearn to be bothered about, which is a sad... If he did, then he wouldn't have been fighting Nayu Inoue. He'd have been fighting Nayu Inoue's cousin at shit or, like, <laughs> you know, his, his drunk best mate or something. He'd <laughs> be fighting him. fed to him. Yeah, yeah. He'd be fighting his one-armed, like, Filipino uncle or something. <laughs> it's He wouldn't have been fighting Nayu Inoue. I don't know what to make of that sentence, but... So... Okay, let's focus on Inoue. Monster. Little monster. That's his nickname, the monster. Um, we don't really see, certainly, um, men uh, sort of the, around European boxing. It's, our eyes seem to be always turned towards the West in America. Like, we don't really see a lot of Eastern European, bo- oh, sorry, Eastern boxers um, past the Eastern European part. Have we, are we likely to see Inoue on these shores anytime soon? Or, well, or do they need... Potentially. Any- so he's going to move in probably now to the World Boxing Super Series. They haven't announced it officially, but it would be stupid if he didn't. Um, so Japanese boxing's huge. We don't hear about it over here because, you know, in Mr. Chapandama's absence, we'll use the term adult babies. Um, that's what it's about over in the Far East is you have a lot of smaller men that are very, very, very good boxers. Um, it just doesn't have the same interest, if you like, over here. Are there any world governing bodies that are more focused towards Japan? No, not really. So Um, even if you've got a good boxer, they don't tend, presumably they don't win world titles. Or, what do you mean? Um, sorry, (coughs) as a, 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 okay. A A lot of the lower weight, categories are dominated by the Japanese oh, okay. and, right, okay. um, you know, the Far Eastern countries because there are lots of the, the, the better, smaller boxers. You know, they don't have many heavyweights. They've yeah. got that mad, like, seven foot five dong or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> but other than that, they don't really have anybody um, up the, the weight categories. So the lower divisions are dominated by that um, origin of fire. 
Okay. Um, so, what? What is there anything else to make of that fight in particular? No. Although it's almost cheating. It's borderline cheating. If you're going in the next day and you're two stone heavier than what you were the first day, granted, it's cheating that hasn't really worked very well for you. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, look, you're... My God, he's on a mobility scooter coming <laughs> to the ring. He hasn't thought this through at all. <laughs> Straight from Nando's. Um, but I do think there's a serious point around health risks. We've, which we talked at length about. You before. know, if you're, if you're boiling down... So I'm not saying his natural weight is two stone above what he was at. But you can't tell me somebody that's capable of putting on two stone in 24 hours, should be fighting anywhere near that weight. So he's only moving up to super bantam weight. That, that's not really going to make a massive difference in terms of, you know, that, that weight that he's going to be cutting off. It can't be healthy for him to be making that abnormal weight no. against what his body type is and his body size is. And just to be going up to super bantam weight, you I'm not even sure that's... What he's putting on. Like, if you... Surely there is... There's only so much water... That you can drain out of a human body, presumably. Whack so a what, load of diuretics down, and yeah, uh, what else? What else can you possibly? How can you? What are you putting on? What is two stone? Presumably, it's just fluid. But yeah, what fluid? Food and fluid. Just drain a pint of blood out of me. That's that's. Uh, do, hmm, I wonder if that would ever. I don't know. That's got. A, that's half a kilo. Don't know. Maybe yeah. you could go and spin it and put it back in the next yeah, day. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, if anyone's uh, fancies uh, blood doping, we've just given you a tip. But so yeah, all the everything that he's got to lose to get to that point. Unfortunately he never lost Anthony Fowler. He was still there and he's a penis, but um you know, he managed to make the cut. But I don't think it's safe. And I don't I don't know what the answer is to it. It's all well and good me saying, ah, it's not safe. It isn't. It's not safe. It's borderline cheating to do that. Yeah. Um I don't know what the answer is, because who am I to say Jamie McDonald shouldn't be there? Now we've spoken before about weigh-ins on the day before the fight. Which they they do for some um for the IBF, for instance, have a a fight day weigh-in where you can only put on X amount overnight. So you wouldn't be allowed to put on two stone. You'd have your title stripped off you. <laughs> two stone. That's crazy, it's isn't insane. it? Absolutely. That's disgusting as well. Like, I'm not a small man. No. But like, when I think two stone, if I go to like the harvest or whatever, I might have a decent sized meal for pushing it out. I might have a pudding with it. Like, if I went over and I was two stone heavier, I'd be fucking <laughs> raging. <laughs> what's, he, what's he having? <laughs> think how much that is. Wow, you've put on a fucking lot of weight this weekend man i know i went to two barbecues and i'm four stone heavier <laughs> but imagine like when he lands back in the uk and he checks his bank balance like, i'm worse off than when i left <laughs> yeah but you spent four thousand pounds in the harvest the japanese harvester <laughs> you fucking idiot japanese harvester or you can eat whale blubber or something <laughs> <laughs> oh okay you have to pay for that excess luggage to get all your monster munch over <laughs> Um. Yeah, right, let's move on to oh, Warrington Selby. Like, yeah, let's I, hit it. I was really gutted that Warrington won. Why? What, what did you make of Josh Warrington before the fight, Andy? Because you were, you know... Uh, well, what were your words about him? You were unusually vocal. Yeah. <laughs> um, A I, fucking penis face or something. 
Um, I'll tr- I'll try and quickly bring the the. You proper laid into put, him. I said, I can't wait for Warrington to get battered, which I hope he does. He's got a shitty little face and it needs <laughs> rearranging. Cocky little gimp. Ah. <laughs> uh, that feels better. I didn't like in the way in. I didn't like the way he was like flicking Selby's arm and just, just generally being a bit of a tosser. I just I had no time for that. Now I appreciate things a lot worse than that have happened in press conferences with Billy Joe Saunders, and I you know still quite like him. But it's something about Warren's face, uh, Warrington's face, that makes me go, "You are of." I, I guarantee, absolutely guarantee that if I met him. And he wasn't like, I just met him out to work with him or it was someone's mate. I'd be like, that bloke's a tosser. I guarantee, could you tell by his face? So you just think he's genuinely a, a tosser? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confident. He's got the kind of face where if he becomes like the greatest British boxer ever, if that, by some freak of nature, the stars align, <sighs> when they make, when they unveil his waxword work in Madame Two Swords, you won't know which is which. <laughs> he's got that kind of face. He's just, everything about him, he just looks like a little rat. He looks like the kid when you was sort of seven who would have a rat's tail, you know, yeah. and the rest of his yeah, head yeah. was like almost like microphone head sort of, and his little shitty rat's tail at the back of his head. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, I just, I was really gutted when I found out that Selby had won because I didn't watch it. But what did you think to the fight? You have to give credit to Josh Warrington. And that's a hard thing cause I, along with you know anybody else of sane mind and judgment, I think, believed that Selby would win, like either by, by way of points or like just pick him off and and hurt him enough that by the later rounds, um, you know, you get the towel thrown in or something like that. But you have to give credit to Warrington. That lad just steamrolled his way. He's a dirty, horrible little fighter, and like I actually quite like that coming out of it. Because I, I didn't watch it on the night. I was down at York Hall last weekend. Um, so I've only actually caught it on Wednesday or Thursday of this week because thankfully Box Nation seemed to be showing it about 43 times a day at the moment. <laughs> it's replaced uh, replaced Saunders versus Eubank. Um, so yeah, they seem to have it stuck on loop if you turn on Box Nation. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I think that's a credit because... <laughs> I've never, I don't think in my life, enjoyed a Josh Warrington fight. And I'm not a big fan of Lee Selby. Like, I think he's a very nice boxer, but I don't enjoy watching him particularly. And so for the two of them to come together and actually make an enjoyable spectacle of a fight was uh, was quite impressive. Warrington, workhorse, animal. Um, and you kind of get the impression that he doesn't mind being punched. Whereas I think Lee... He's got nothing to lose, has he? He's got that little, as you say, penis face, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 shitty little face, I think. Is yeah, what? it's not my words. That's Andy's words. But, I mean, look. You've just brought it. Ah, yeah. Do you know what he looks like? He looks like if you had to cast for a baddie in EastEnders. Yeah, he does exactly look like that, yeah. Oh. I can't describe the why, but he just does. Like If you had to find a baddie, someone that's going to burn down the, the garage or something, or <laughs> the Queen Vic. try and burn the Queen Vic, or like, <laughs> fuck uh, Dot. You know, like, take Dot you know, when she's leaving the, the dry cleaners or whatever, and just, like, bash her in a bush. Like, it would be that kind of geezer. I mean, I, I think our, our knowledge of EastEnders may be off here, because I, 
I mean, I'm ref- I'm thinking like you know, nasty Nick Dot's son. I'm thinking Martin Kemp. I'm thinking like he turns up with him, like yeah. this is my mate from prison, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, from That's, Manchester as yeah. well. He's definitely come from Manchester in EastEnders now. Uh, <laughs> so, but I say just hangs around that square outside, like the the laundrette, smoke chain smoking, and like glancing through looking at dot like he's a proper pervert as well in this scenario oh god but like <laughs> watching dot with her tabard on like bending over to get in he's just oh my god's sake <laughs> no 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 this is exact i'm not saying this is josh warrington i'm saying if josh warrington was in eastenders oh yeah, yeah, yeah. this is how it would end yeah, up yeah, no, chain definitely. smoking every now and then he'd end up by the swings as well and you'd be like oh, you haven't even got kids what are you doing there <laughs> you doing? that's the only sinister place to stand yeah yeah sense. yeah he'd like kick a bike over on the way out as well <laughs> the fight though <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah talk about um, the fight. but josh warrington's a brilliant example of someone who's not boiling down he's not boiling down to make that weight He's a reasonable size for it. So straight away off the back of the loss, Lee Selby's saying, oh, I'm going to have to move up in weight. I, you know, I've been struggling with it for so long. I hate this. Like, why do fighters struggle with it for so long? If they know yeah. they're getting away with it, they're basically getting away with it, but they're holding on to that world title in an unhealthy manner, an unhealthy environment. Lee you Selby... Get, and it looks so much better when a, when a fighter says, I'm moving on and drops the belt yeah. to go up a weight. Lee That's Selby should have probably most, a year ago. One of the most legitimate ways to, to get rid of a belt is if you're moving up weight. Yeah. And, and granted, somebody will say, oh, you're ducking yeah. Josh Warrington or whatever. Yeah. But if you can drop that belt and put on a better performance than your last outing, that one where it hits home that you're not meant to be a featherweight. Yeah. And then you, you step up and you put on a better performance. Nobody can give you shit about that. I don't like this method of going one fight too far before admitting that you knew it was already a problem. Like, that's not right, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine your car broke down on the motorway, the AA turn up, and you're like, well, I knew there wasn't any oil in my car. I just thought I'd have one more journey. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you bother? Like, why didn't you go and put something in it to make it work properly? Because that's one, what these lads are doing. One more journey. Yeah, it just... It's, it, it's, it They're playing with fire of, doing it. Yeah, and it smacks of... Well, frankly, it smacks of a bit unprofessionalism look in in regards to the maintenance of your own career and also why is no coach getting shit for this dave coldwell you fucking everyone praises dave coldwell for the job he's done with bell you why is nobody criticizing world tour mate (laughs) (laughs) why is nobody criticizing dave coldwell for allowing his fighter to get to a position whereby he has to put on two stone in 24 hours to be a healthy fighting weight yeah i don't what i don't get is why drop down unless it is such an advantage that come fight night, you're like, I feel amazing. It was definitely worth dropping down. And, you know, I, and then you can just walk through people. Why, why do it unless, unless it's that? Well, as soon I mean, as you start feeling weak fight night, wouldn't it be to your advantage to then go, you know what, I'm going to go up because I'm not being the best boxer I can be? Every fighter has to cut something. So, like, George Groves is a great example of someone who's done it brilliantly because George Groves, by all accounts, walks around outside of the ring probably, what, 185, maybe, pounds um, to cut down to super middleweight, to cut back down to a 168. And so he's... So which would make him walking around weight? What would that make uh, him? Upper echelons of light heavy. 
Mark. Um, and he's a big man, George Groves, as well. You know, he's six footish. And so he's a great example for somebody who's a career super middleweight. So now he's getting into his mid-30s. He'll probably at some point consider a move up to light heavyweight because, you know, we're mid-30s. That weight doesn't stay off you as well as it did what? when you're mid-20s. <laughs> um, All too well. <laughs> so uh, at some point, I'm sure he will. But he's somebody who's managed it from debut through to now. You look at like Jamie Cox and... Jamie Cox got stopped by John Ryder the other week. Like Jamie Cox started off professional boxing as a welterweight, and he's moved up, like eating his way up to super middleweight, <laughs> essentially, because that's where the opportunities opened up for him. But he's never naturally a super middleweight. He's probably a light middle to middle tops. But you look at George Groves. George Groves is somebody who, <clears throat> who effectively manages a six-foot-ish frame into the super middleweight division, which is why he's never had to move up because he's he's reasonably sensible about how he makes that weight. And, you know, I'm sure if he was struggling with it, he seems like the kind of guy that would say, enough. Like, I need to get out of it. I need to move up one rather than wait that fight too long. And I don't get why fighters do that. And I also don't get why um, the coaches get a free pass out of it. Right, so... Ever ever unceasing knowledge such as mine 27 and 0 Josh Warrington yeah right. six knockouts yeah that's right actually yeah well yeah. done yeah <coughs> I mean I mean yeah I think that's right sorry <laughs> um, so what so there was quite a big um, clamour not say clamour but there was it was almost like the Warrington fans were almost as surprised but then wanting to come out of it thinking Oh, oh, yeah, we won. Yeah, well, we knew this was going to happen. Now they've got a fight on their hands. They're thinking, okay, well, how far can he go? How far can he go? But I suppose if you're asking what are his next stages, it's possibly quite interesting to look at the scenario around the fight. So they'd already announced, Frank Warren had announced that um, Carl Frampton's going to fight over in Belfast big fight they're talking about like world title fight so it was assumed that i think the the pathway that had been set for this was that eh, you know if you had to take a guess lee selby's probably going to win that fight probably going to beat josh warrington so i think he'd been set up to fight carl frampton over in belfast oh, okay. um you know all going logically he was going to go over there because lee selby can't sell a ticket in cardiff or in Barry, where he's from, Barry Island, oddly enough, there's not thousands of people that want to come and support Lee Selby. So he doesn't sell anything. And so Warren can just use him against good ticket sellers. So just take this lad until one of your lads beats him. So if he'd have beaten Josh Warrington, you can pretty much be assured Lee Selby would have got flown over to Belfast for Carl Frampton. But Josh Warrington's almost like upset this. So as great as it is for Frank Warren that he's got a new world champion out of it, Actually, you've now got an issue because Josh Warrington shifts thousands of tickets. He didn't sell out Ellen Road, but he did a damn good job of like shifting a high volume of tickets for what isn't necessarily a fight in town, fight in sea. Um, and so say he did, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 20, probably. That's big numbers, big numbers. If Lee Selby had won, you were going to fly him over to Belfast. You've now got Carl Frampton, who sells a lot of tickets in Belfast, and Josh Warrington now holds a world title, but sells loads of tickets in Leeds. 
So you don't want to risk him going over to Belfast and losing to Frampton, losing all that interest. You don't want to risk Frampton coming over to Leeds. Let's have it at the O2 then. Well, <laughs> you probably want to keep the two entirely separate now. So you've got Oscar Valdez holds the WBO featherweight championship. He was the one who fought Scott Quigg and got his chin, uh, his jaw dislocated. And so he's out at the moment. He's still the WBO uh, champion, but he's out. He's on the sideline whilst his uh, his jaw gets sorted. So Carl Frampton holds the WBO interim title, essentially, which is fine. I haven't got an issue with that because your champion's like legitimately busted up because Quig came in overweight and fucked him up. (laughs) Um, I haven't got an issue with Valdez sitting over there. And so now they've got to try and somehow find a way to get Carl Frampton. I'm sure they'll try and lobby the WBO, Warren and the WBO, you know, I'm sure they've got each other's phone numbers. Nah. Um, nah. No, mate. I <laughs> don't believe it. One, one iota. And so you're going to end up probably with Carl Frampton fighting for a full version of WBO. And there's talk now that's going to be Scott Quigg. They'll fly Scott Quigg and get him for Carl Frampton over in Belfast for the, uh, the full WBO title. Again? Yeah. The oh. first fight was a shocker. I don't really want to see that again. Yeah. So, but so from a viewing, from a viewer's perspective, we'd like to see far more. Want to see Warrington? Frampton of course you do. Than quick. Yeah, hundred percent you do. <laughs> again, uh, but for the mere fact that now he's got two cash cows with titles, means that you're not going to get to see him probably. <sighs> yeah. So, like, whereas, as you say, it would be a brilliant fight in that. Josh Warrington, I think, has earned a lot of fans and a lot of respect out of that performance. Whether you like the man or not, like as a fighter, he did a brilliant job of just getting in, waited for Lee Selby to throw his punches, and as soon as Selby threw, then Warrington threw. And like that just made it for an interesting fight because you just had two lads that were then stood in the pocket throwing at one another. Did um w- were Lee Selby's tactics not good enough or were Warrington's tactics superior? I'd say Warrington's tactics were superior. Um, Selby doesn't have a great variety. If Selby isn't bossing off of that jab, which he's got a very good jab, then he's in trouble. Like That's how he, he bases his fights, off the jab all the time. As much as like that's an obvious thing to say, a lot of fighters don't rely on it as heavily as Selby does. But Warrington was beating him to that as well. And like with a more effective version of it. And he got the two cuts over the eyes, Selby, early doors as well from clashes of heads. Which again is just warranting being willing to go, all right, I'll get in there. We'll take it rough and tumble. Um, it's and like we'll a, a bit of a gamble. Yeah, essentially. Like, let's let's make this as horrible and dirty a fight as I can. <laughs> see what we can get shock, away with. Given what my current opinion of him is. Yeah, so he's like, he's the little geezer in the middle of a fight in Weatherspoons. Like, ah, you're fucking biting my ears. Yeah, ex- you're biting my toes, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Like, yeah, he's the kind of guy who would, I suspect, just do anything when it mattered. And good luck to him. I say, I, I quite enjoyed it. I was a fan. Um, so, Yafai, Cal Yafai in America. What have you got to say about Cal Yafai in America? Nothing. I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not even sure Terry? what on the agenda, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely... Uh, so, he fought... Uh, probably I'll mention it now. Um, super flyweight world champion WBA champion fights out in America last night uh, against some guy Carmona 
Stopped him in the sixth round, I think it was. Um, it, it's another example. I, I thought Cal Yafai was stuck to fighting on Anthony Joshua undercards. I didn't realise he was allowed to leave the country and fight <laughs> on anything else. He wasn't allowed. Yeah, it turns out he is. Um, credit to Eddie Hearn as well. Let's touch on this. Uh, Eddie Hearn, who was in Japan on Friday for Jamie McDonnell and then in America on Saturday for Cal Yafai. Um, sorry, he was in he was in Japan on Friday for Jamie McDonnell, and then America on Saturday for Cal Yafai. I tweeted this out the other day, and it's just it's really sad. Like, I think people assume that we hate Eddie Hearn. We don't hate Eddie Hearn. I don't. I think if you're a, uh, I don't really want to use the word loyal, but if you're a frequent listener, then you will have you will have heard many times Eddie Hearn getting both praised as well as you know cunted off yeah <laughs> all right yeah thank you um so uh, there are several times we've said eddie hearn is good for boxing there's lots of things we've said that are bad and probably he gets slated more often but that's because he's top of the pile yeah, he gets held territory. to account more than others yeah and he makes some i don't think he just based on stories that i've heard through several outlets, but primarily from you and Terry, I don't think he makes any shitter or or transparently self-interested decisions than any other promoter. It's just that they're far more publicised. They're far more in the public eye. So therefore, when those decisions are made and the consequences of those decisions are then highlighted, it's, it's something that he ends up getting, like you say, held account for. Um, held to account for. I I like Eddie Hearn and I like the way he comes across far more than I do Frank Warren, who always, for me, for Frank Warren, Careful. Frank Warren, tiptoe round always this. feels to me like a bitter old man. Like there's an air of there's a superiority complex about him. Now, the way that Eddie Hearn goes about it sometimes a bit infuriating. The way that he's sort of like. Oh yeah, oh, like the, the way that he seems to play the Eddie Hearn character on. I'm just trying to do the best I can, but he never, he doesn't. He might be in a position of authority in the sport to make decisions that people don't like, but he never comes across as I'm untouchable. Shut up, we're doing this my way, and that's how it feels for me watching Frank Warren. It doesn't, he doesn't seem to have that that same engaging persona that Eddie Hearn puts across. For all his for all his downfalls, so I I personally I like the way Eddie Hearn comes across, even if a lot of the time the decisions he makes make me squirm with frustration, um, like what we'll be coming on to a bit later. But I, yeah, we don't hate Eddie Hearn. I think people would have heard that. There are certain people that follow Eddie Hearn on Twitter that I hate. I, I can't give you any names. They're fucking mutants. A lot of them. If Terry was here, he'd call them cornflake crunches, I'm sure. But the ones that, if you ever get into a, a conversation on Twitter with, then they just regurgitate Eddie Hearn IFL interviews, or they regurgitate Sky Sports news articles. It's like the, the ones that can't, the ones that can't think behind what's actually said. Like just because he said it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Like give it a little bit of thought process to think yeah. what what are the connotations of what he's saying. It's those ones that annoy me. But I don't hate Eddie Hearn. I think brilliant because we 
we mentioned the other week Bradley Skeet when he went out to Spain and he was fighting in Bilbao in a venue that in the past has had like bikers take fighters to the ring and like people scrapping on the ring walks. Like it's open season, it's carnage in there. Bradley Skeet goes over there and all he's left with is Andy Ailing, which is no defence to anyone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Frank Warren, by all accounts, from what I understand, didn't go over with Bradley Skeet to that fight. For what reason? I don't know. I don't understand. We, we said about it at the time. Eddie Hearn went with Jamie McDonald to Japan. Eddie Hearn went then to be in America with Cal Yafai. Like, within... 24 hours he's at the two different venues and as much as like again you you praise somebody on twitter for this kind of thing you say ah oh, fair play eddie hearn like that's that's real commitment given that one geezer wouldn't even get on an easy jet to go to bilbao and as soon as you do that people are like oh yeah but it's only a plane like i can do his emails on the plane or like i'm not praising him for going and supporting his fighter well, you, you literally can't praise a man at that point. It's like, <laughs> okay, fine. Like, I, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone out there in the world for getting very little, in, they would have got the same income whether they were there or whether they sent their assistant Frank Smith. The, the pro- money that came in wouldn't have changed. Eddie Hearn's got a family at home. Yeah, Eddie Hearn's got a billion like, dollar yeah. deal that he's got to sort out in America. Eddie Hearn's got shows on in the UK. He's got to sort out. Eddie Hearn's got his HBO shows to sort out in America. I'm sure he had better things to do than sit on a, a poor Wi-Fi connection plane flying out to Japan to then have to do the transfers to the, you know, get out get out of the plane, get his bags, go to the venue, I think even, sit around. Even given his lofty, quotes position in boxing, a trip out to Japan to watch a guy with Jane McDonald's history that, uh, of being everywhere at once kind of thing is, I, I can't think of a metric where that isn't, Good effort, yeah. And if you if if you're then you're then saying or he's only doing his job, then what kind of world do we live in where if you do your job you're not praised whatsoever? So when a striker scores, you're like, well, well done, mate. You just that Gareth job. Bale goal last night, yeah. well, overhead kick from the edge of the box. Fucking hell, mate! You Don't just, celebrate it. Yeah. The only reason you did back hill uh, overhead kick was because Marcelo didn't do his. Uh, cross uh, his job probably by giving you a yeah. decent cross. Give him a right bollocking. What are you celebrating for? Get back. <laughs> 1960s yeah. football. Not the celebrating, like. Get back and start a game. <laughs> Is this a new grey-haired tracksuit? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, no, I just you yeah, know, I, I, touch like, on it. Is that to that me? That is effort. That, that is, is phenomenal effort. effort at a time when it would be so much easier to send your assistant Frank Smith, and you just sit you know, in Essex or out in America sorting out other deals. So I think it does have to be noted. And I do think it's a, a quality thing to do because others wouldn't. Others wouldn't go to, I don't know, Bilbao. Maybe, allegedly. <laughs> Maybe, allegedly. Um, right, speaking of, I was going to touch on White Pulev. We'll come back to that because we're on Eddie Hearn. It makes sense to go on to that. Um, is... AJ in the process of ducking Wilder. Yes. Next. <laughs> because, <laughs> because we've heard about the 50 million blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But, so, 
Just give me a recap from where we where where the should the, I try and let's abridge it? last yeah okay right let's start again. Give me an abridged version. We've not been here for two weeks, so I don't know where we left it two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I think I think it was something around that fifty million. Okay, let's try you... and like give me a minute, and I'll see what I can fit into oh, okay. a minute of yeah. like AJ where we are. Go. AJ asked for fifty million pounds flippantly, or fifty million. They come back, Wilder's team say, here's 50 million, let's do it. Hearn says, show me the money's real, where's the proof of funds? I haven't got a contract. Wilder's side say, that never happens. Nobody ever does that. What are you on about? Anyway, Hearn then comes out later and says, yeah, the money is real, I accept that. So now we've got to sort out the finer details. So I get it at this point. I get that like that's where you should be. Is Look, the money is real. Now we're sorting out the finer details. Then Hearn comes out and says, we want to do this in the UK because Anthony Joshua feels like he owes it to his fans. Anthony Joshua, <laughs> sponsored by StubHub, owes it to his fans. Yeah, I mean, right? So he wants yeah. to fight in the UK. And then Rob McCracken, his trainer, comes out saying, we want it in the UK because of the you know the quality of judges and referees. Right, you've got two geezers who've got a 98% knockout ratio between the two of them. Don't talk about judges, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, this is not a fight that requires points at the end of it. So yes, there are now two reasons. Giving it back to the UK fans, avoiding the judges in America, both of which are the reasons apparently Anthony Joshua now wants it over here. So Hearn says, if that 50 million, if they, if they paid Anthony Joshua 50 million and did it in the UK, that'd be fine. That's no problem whatsoever. Like, what kind of fucking idiot's going to do that? Like, the reason they're paying 50 million is to buy Anthony Joshua and bring him into their marketplace and then start selling Anthony Joshua, essentially. Anthony Joshua versus Dante Wilder, the undisputed heavyweight championship, in their own territory, at their own times. Did I hear something uh, mooted about uh, a second fight? Uh, It's been mentioned in that, you know, we'll do it in the UK and then we'll do a rematch in the US. Okay, uh, the argument to this is always going to be fine. Like, Anthony Joshua, I realize we've gone over a minute now. No, well, we won't, yeah, I mean, that, that was about two minutes. Still not bad. For Apologies. An, for an abri- 100% <laughs> Apologies. over. 100% That's over. They appreciate it. Um, right, so the problem you've got is if I mean, you if it ask was Terry, something, it'd still be going now. <laughs> he still is he's not even here he's on about it um, if you ask for something and I give you what you want and then you start changing the terms of what you wanted in the first place then I've every right to think you never wanted it in the first place right or wrong it's... yeah or, or I, again I think this comes down to the thing you first said which was it was flippant what Anthony Joshua said was Almost a bit like Neymar's two hundred million pounds. Yeah, we said the other week. Yeah, it? It was... yeah it's, it's it's the it's the thing. Pff, no one's gonna give me fifty million. Well, why not? I'll give you fifty million for three heavyweight title belts. So here's the problem: it's the biggest purse like that Joshua could get anywhere, anywhere. So if they're talking, maybe he makes fifteen million in a normal fight at Wembley. Say you're now getting three times that to go over to America and fight in the biggest heavyweight fight possible at the moment. Three times your biggest ever purse. And so Joshua, Joshua is a man of heritage whereby money is a very important thing to him. Um, he is very money-driven. We know that. Yeah. We know that. And so he must be putting pressure on Eddie, saying, 
look, okay, if if we're not going with this 50 million over in America, what are you going to fucking pay me over in the UK? Like, you better come up with something serious for me. Because I'm, Has he re-signed with Eddie Hearn yet? They haven't announced. And when is this contract due to end? Uh, stories are it's around August time. <clears throat> Therefore, he must have signed already, surely. You would think so. But the it thing is, what I don't understand is, it would make so much more sense if he, like the 50 million, fine, have 50, go for 50 million. You could even stick to all of their demands. Just say, yep, I'll come over to America, but I want a rematch in the UK. If you genuinely think <coughs> that, the, that, you know, you, that's where you're, you're going to, um, this we're going to be at your best or whatever. Even if you think you might go to America, I might be taking a risk. If you do fancy your chances, which, based on what you've told me with your interaction with boxers, generally all boxers think they're going to win the next fight. Andy Joshua's not going to be sat there going, I lose this fight. If there I go no to America. Chance. Yeah. So Andy Joshua would back himself every day of the week anywhere on the planet. So even if, so even if we did think that he, there was a little bit, a, a seed of doubt on his head, you'd be thinking to yourself, once I get him back here, I'll be able to fight him anyway. Unless, of course, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand why you don't take that fight. Sure. It's a duck. It's, it's, it's plain and simply, as far as I can work it out, you, someone out there explained to me how it's not. So the counter-argument, I'll give you the counter-argument you get off people. Anthony Joshua deserved this in the UK. He holds three of the belts. Wilder only holds one. Okay, brilliant. So where's the money? Pay Anthony Joshua the same kind of money. Pay Deontay Wilder whatever his side are going to pay him. If Eddie Hearn can do that, then fine, I get. Like if you, if there were two sets of terms, both of which were equal, then yes, I would say okay. Anthony Joshua probably does deserve it in a big stadium on his home territory. Right, just due to the fact that he's got more belts. Yeah, if you said both offers were ten pounds each, where should it go? Morally, where would I say? Yeah, probably it should go to Anthony Joshua. Get that. Anthony Joshua's a man of the fans. Anthony Joshua's a man who's sponsored by StubHub. Yeah. Anthony Joshua gives not one fuck about fans. <laughs> I don't care. Nobody can make an argument against that until he tears up the StubHub sponsorship. Yeah. You by can't. Selling all of his tickets to StubHub and then allowing them to be sold at allegedly. Three, four, five. Alleg- whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> allegedly. If he did that. If he did that. If he did that. If he did yeah. that um, <laughs> a man who might. <laughs> In the scenario, there is currently a scenario whereby a lot of tickets end up on StubHub through whatever means. <laughs> through whatever means, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. So say, say StubHub are selling 30,000 tickets above face value for every Anthony Joshua fight. Three, four, five times face value. Yeah, and then they're taking ten percent booking fees on the three, four, five times above face value value. They're getting very rich out of Anthony Joshua. They're getting very rich. What I said before about Eddie Hearn has a lot of people to keep happy. Allowing Anthony Joshua to go and fight in America suddenly means you lose eighty thousand times X amount per ticket that StubHub won't be getting back through Anthony Joshua. So they're not going to be happy if he's over in America because that's a huge revenue income for them. Well, I mean, 
If you said well, the average is 20 quid per ticket they're making out of it. You just got to hope, therefore, that Anthony Joshua's potential, alleged, not one fuck about the fans. Extends... That's not alleged. No, that's not alleged. All right, okay. No, that's that's fact. Right, but but that extends to not one fuck about anyone else apart from himself. In the I can't. Yeah, I kind of wouldn't be surprised. Then he by can that. go. Nah, fuck is. I'm going to America, and I e hoping that he hasn't then also already signed a contract. That he goes. Nah, fuck this. I'm going to America. And behind the scenes, he said, "Yeah, I'll do it for fifty million. Just wait until August and we'll announce it. Perhaps that'd be nice. That'd um, be amazing." But at this point, it looks at this like point, it all looks a little bit stale. Um, and we're what, in almost in June. Almost in June, boxing will go dead during August. Nobody makes, you know, during the summer holidays and that. Nobody makes huge announcements. Nobody makes huge moves. I can see it going uh, particularly quiet around then. But Hearn has made <coughs> some major announcements that. Um, Adrian Broner's mugging him off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this came out this week that Adrian Broner, the little gobshite in America, probably more famous for frittering away away his career than he is for his career itself. You know, he's famous for getting arrested outside bowling clubs in America for like getting into punch-ups with members of the public. Um, You know, he's pissing away a career out there. And so Hearn comes out and offers him, uh, what is it, one point, uh, these numbers probably aren't right, but say 1.2, 1.25, and 1.3 million or something. So it worked out just under $4 million that he was offering Adrian Broner for three fights over the period of 12 months as part of this whole zone deal that we, we kind of touched on the other week. Yep. Um. And Adrian Broner turned it down. But like not just turned it down, he turned it down and then set his bridges alight on the way out. Um, so By he, doing... <clears throat> he takes screenshots of the emails and puts them onto Instagram to his one million followers or whatever. So you've got a big problem here. Like, legally, I suspect you've got a big problem. Like, confidentiality clauses are going to have been breached somewhat by doing this. So straight away, every other boxer... In America, and bearing in mind, Hearn's got a billion dollars. He's already walked around the mean streets of America with a billion dollars hanging out of his pockets, going, hey, all right, boxers, lads. Boxers, boxers. Boxers, come get your billions. <laughs> come get your billions. <laughs> it's almost look, It almost looks now like that wasn't a very good idea to boast <laughs> that you've got a billion dollars. Although, isn't this like, isn't that whole... What you're getting out there, isn't that just going to be a natural consequence of getting that money? It's the same as, you know, uh, football teams that inherit lots of money from uh, a rich new owner. Suddenly everyone sticks on the, oh, you got some money tax. Yes. However, the pockets of the Dubai Man City owners are bottomless. Hearn only has a billion. Now, as much as that might sound stupid, he only has a billion. That's got to last him however long the terms of his contract are, five years or whatever. That's assuming there is a billion, and it's not like 500 million plus 500 million in performance bonuses or whatever. Right, okay, yeah. So actually, that, that billion suddenly doesn't start to look as much if you break it down into different potential permutations. Yeah, as and to how, how many he, shows he got to show? 16? 16 or f- shows per year for five years. That's a lot. That's a lot. lot. And you need a big stable to do that. And you're offering Adrian Broner nearly $4 million a year. 
to have three fights in it. Adrian Broner doesn't fight three times in a year unless it's outside a bowling alley. <laughs> Adrian Broner doesn't have three professional boxing matches in a year. What are you fucking thinking? I'm going to be in prison, y'all. <laughs> I think you want in the canteen, motherfucker. <laughs> like, he thinks life is GTA. He thinks he can just <laughs> bowl life around. He's GTA. <laughs> yeah. And so, $4 million. Right. So here's. Straight away, Adrian Broner's gone out and he's given every boxer in the US a benchmark now as to what they can start asking for because they can all go, I'm more talented than Adrian Broner. I've got more heart, more desire, more championship wins. I've got a better amateur pedigree. I've got all these things and you've offered Adrian Broner four million for a year. I want six million. I want eight million for my services. And don't give me a penny less. Don't try and insult me by anything less. You've you've opened up that doorway by doing this. You've also got a problem. It also seems a bit. Um, just sorry to kick off there, but it also seems a bit short-sighted from Hearn um, that the fact that he's clearly made this offer with not the slightest bit of relationship already carved out with Broner. Because if you have any kind of positive relationship with someone, they don't do that to you, surely. You would assume so. You talk about relationships. It's an interesting one. Adrian Broner is a PBC fighter. Adrian Broner is um, historically very close with Floyd Mayweather and he's very close with Al Heyman. Al Heyman being the money man behind the PBC. Um, So he's got loyalties because you look at what he's earned in uh, purses and it, it makes me laugh. People's... People look at what the declared purse for Adrian Broner was against Jesse Vargas in his last fight. And I think it was maybe a million dollars. And people are like, oh yeah, but Hearn's going to pay him more than that on this basis. Adrian Broner didn't take home a million dollars out of that fight. In America, they top up those salaries. So that's what you declare for tax purposes. You get given a million dollars in your purse. You then get given other amounts of money by the promoter. You don't get given a million dollars. You probably end up earning two, maybe more. Steven Espinoza, part of the whole American setup, alluded to it on Twitter. And it's actually illegal to do it. It's illegal to pass money under the table, essentially, for somebody's services. It's illegal to pay someone for services and avoid tax. (laughs) That seems odd. Shocker, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But Stephen Espinosa came out and said, um, oh, Eddie's a bit stupid if he thought that's all that Adrian Broner was going to be earning. It's like, whoa, whoa, Stephen. Everyone knows it goes on. Nobody ever says it publicly. (laughs) Because it it doesn't help. Espinosa, what did you mean when you said, well, I I meant he was earning credit. And uh... (laughs) it doesn't help any of Stephen Espinosa's fighters if he's coming out saying this. They don't want to start having their accounts looked into by, you know, the the American tax man. That's not in there. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want IRS from the early 90s WWFC coming and knocking on you. Erwin something. Erwin our shyster. (laughs) You don't want him coming and knocking on your door. I mean, he's old now, but... Um, bring the million dollar man with him, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I. It, so you don't want that scenario. You don't want to start lifting up the rug too much. Um, but I mean, it shows an incredible loyalty to Al Heyman that he's not just turned it down. Turn it down um, again. Almost like it's a lucrative loyalty. Almost like he's getting very well paid. <laughs> and so here's the problem, right? Adrian Broner. I looked into this. There are only three fighters who got better TV ratings in their last fight than Adrian Broner. Um, 
Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. Uh, oh, this is American fire, sorry. So I didn't include like Golovkin versus uh, Alvarez. Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. Terence Crawford versus Julius Ndongo, which was for an undisputed title. So like all of the titles. And Danny Jacobs versus Magic Suglecki, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the fight. So there's a HBO, so a Hearn fight. So there's only three viewers. And like, bear in mind, like, Broner's last fight was against Jesse Vargas. There was no world title on the line. It was relatively a throwaway fight for what it was. It was just a bit of jostling for position. It wasn't a world title fight. But only three other American fighters have drawn more interest TV-wise than Adrian Broner in their last t- in their last fights. One of which was an undisputed title. Yeah, one yeah. of which was the world heavyweight title. Another is Danny Jacobs, who's you know a very popular fighter, came back from fighting cancer. Lots of things about Danny Jacob help him sell very well. So he's the fourth most popular. So where's this whole billion dollars from Hearn? This is the next point we'll come on to. If he's the fourth most popular, and bear in mind his whole DAZN's subscription model is based upon people buying DAZN in the same way you buy Netflix... He's the fourth most popular, and you're going to pay him $4 million a year. Where's the rest of the money going? Is there a billion dollars? Because I realize you've got to have quite a deep stable here, but most of the fighters you're not going to get on contracts. You'll just bring them in for like the undercard ones. You don't want a whole stable of 100 fighters to fill those 16 dates per year. You don't want to be responsible for all of that. You just Ideally, you'd bring fighters in territorially so if you're going around california if you're going around vegas if you're going around la whatever it is you want those top fighters like a broner on a one-year contract so where's the rest of the money because that's four million dollars in a year say that you you know that goes over four years 16 million dollars five years 20 million dollars 20 million dollars for the fourth highest commodity in the american market 20 million. What are you going to do with the other 980 million dollars? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you're struggling to spend it in some way. But so it, you, it just it acts maybe you lose the fact that he didn't have a billion dollars like you say. Yeah. It acts as a bit of an alarm bell to me that like is that billion dollars true? Because if it is, there's only a few American names that are bigger than Adrian Broner. The ones I've just touched on. Terence Crawford, you can probably drop back out of that when he fights Jeff Horn in June. Um, you know, that was a, a blip almost because it was for the undisputed titles. You can probably drop him back below Broner for his next fight with Jeff Horn up at Welterweight. So then you're probably talking in reality, he's the third biggest, third highest watch fighter. Be clear, I'm not saying he's the third best American boxer. I'm not saying he's the third, you know, greatest American boxer that's currently active. But he's the one that is drawing eyes onto a TV box. And that's what her needs as part of this DAZN subscription, is he needs people to be signing up to DAZN because then he might start to get those performance bonuses, say, if that's what it's based upon. Well, this is the thing. Like you think anyone that says, oh, yeah, well, Eddie wouldn't offer big, big bucks because then if, if it is commonplace, you know, if it were commonplace to slide money under the table, then it'd be silly for him to try and play a game that no one else plays by just throwing money at something you know like it would be it would be best for him to play by the rules of which everyone else plays by i.e he certainly wouldn't be offering up millions and millions of pounds up front 
Um, but that doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense because if that were the case, you would you would then have to have a pre-existing relationship with someone to the extent that you could offer that up front, not just send an email. It's, it's almost like he's... There's probably a second email which Broner hasn't published, which is probably like a reply all from the first one sent by Eddie that just says, Adrian, take that offer and apply the 0.75 ratio or whatever it is that, that we all apply, that America yeah. applies. There's probably that in mind as well. Um, because Hearn knows how it works. Every, every promoter just, in America I'm knows struggling, how it works. What I'm struggling with at the moment is who's sillier? The zone for offering this money for what starting to look like a poorly thought out um, business model or, or Eddie Hearn for taking it and not being able to... It becomes an albatross, doesn't it? Like, it becomes an albatross around the neck that you're suddenly left with this billion dollars. It's like he could become um, an urban myth in, like, uh, 2,000 years' time about the man from Essex who went over to America and was given a billion dollars but couldn't spend it anywhere. And then there was this little hood rat, Adrian Broner, going around going, yeah, blah, 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 like shooting people down. And in the end, he paid Josh Warrington one billion pounds <laughs> to come over to Eddie Hearn and fight in New York. But that's what it's going to end up as, is like you, you start to get alarm bells if... Adrian Broner is getting offered that money publicly, although Hearn never wanted it publicly, and you still can't get hold of him. There is a loyalty to Al Heyman, and there are a lot of fighters signed up to that Al Heyman PBC contract. And like, there was another fighter, I can't remember who it was, there was another fighter during the week who was also reported to have been offered a, a route to this DAZN deal and turned it down, said, no, I'm staying with PBC, like, I'll stay with Heyman. So if, if people... Again, this comes back to when we talked about Wilder Joshua and people are like, oh, where's Al Heyman going to get 50 million from? You fucking imbeciles. <laughs> you absolute imbeciles. He's got that money still. The Waddle and Reed money is sat there. The investment money is there. There is money there. I have it. In terms of professional that sport on, and these like, people, it's, it's such small money, like 50 million. And I don't, mean to sound flippant but when you talk about someone like Al Heyman 50 million is nothing 50 million is nothing I have it on extreme authority I, I won't give anyone's details but that money is there like almost ready that you could press a button it goes into escrow like now like there is no concern over the 50 million if they wanted 100 million I don't think that would be a problem 200 if they'd have said that that money would still be there and so yeah, these people that are like, oh yeah, Al Heyman, where's he going to get 50 million? You fucking, uh, honestly, like they're the kind of people you'd love to take by the face and just smash them into a table <laughs> repeatedly. Um, because Al Heyman, 50 million dollars isn't a big deal to Al Heyman. No. 50 million dollars, he goes to a casino, they give him 20. He's still <laughs> got money in his PBC coffers that he can, you know, turn up and he takes that, he gets investment don't forget the legislation that came through the other week in America. Sports betting companies are now allowed to sponsor sporting events in America. That's a game changer. If you saw the... Um, but that, that's presumably foreign. Because there's no American uh, sports betting companies, is there? It's, 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 
It's illegal over there, right? Right, but they've legalized. This is the difference. Is that it's now the whole thing is being legalized in America. Yeah. Oh. And so, whereas over here, you watch any Sky show, and like IFL is sponsored by William Hill. Yeah. Every major boxing event is sponsored by whoever, whoever their latest sponsor, because they switch it around quite a lot on Sky. That now is open in America. You can start sponsoring. I thought you meant like English companies could sponsor American events. But like you said, if American, if, if, if it's opening, sports betting is opening up in America, that is huge. So if you look at the, uh, billions. if you look at the share prices of betting companies, they've suddenly like, they've shot through the roof because they've got this new marketplace open to them. Wow. It's crazy. Um, why it's never been legal, I don't know the history of it. There's actually, um, I remember watching a documentary once where they were talking to, I can't, I think it was the, the owner of, because a lot of them are based in Gibraltar, aren't they? For yes. tax reasons. Um, and, the, and one of the, 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 the heads of these companies had gone to America, unbeknownst to him, because people had bet through his company, he was, he was a wanted felon for, for allowing people to bet through this thing. And he got immediately arrested. And they were talking to this guy who owned um, 888, bet yeah. eight, uh, whatever it was. And, then, and he was saying that it's wrong and all this sort of stuff. And he went, so will you be going to America anytime soon? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like an idiot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because of that reason, because it was illegal. But like, that's exactly, what you say is exactly right. So if, if you think Al Heyman can't start changer. tapping into that gambling. Oh, wow. So again, look, Hearn is going to struggle with this because he's turned up. He's been a bit of a penis in going, oh, Shelley Winkle, talking about Shirley Finkel, all this stuff. If you think you can turn up with that kind of attitude and then not upset people that are already established and have people signed into contracts that you're paying well, irrespective of whether you should or shouldn't, we're not going to go into that. not going to go into whether Adrian Broner's worth $4 million a year because there are so many metrics you can balance it by. Because he is, because someone will pay him. Yeah, so that's, there's someone out there that's I sure, and will pay him, so therefore he is worth yeah. it. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, and again, metrics of eyes watching his fights, brilliant. He's the fourth highest in America. Look, I don't necessarily agree with it, but he gets people watching and talking, and that's what Hearn needs. Who else do you get? Because he can't get out of those fighters that I mentioned earlier. So Crawford, um, who signed with top rank, Bob Arum, so he's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Danny Jacobs, he's already got, but he can't shift him over because he's on the HBO deal. Deontay Wilder, who you've pissed his entire team off. So actually, out of the four that we've mentioned, Broner is like number one out of who's available, which is crazy. So like that's your number one option that you should be going for, which is what he's doing, because clearly he's made the approach, but only for four million over a year. Hmm. Right, well, we've been rattling on quite a bit in the last hour now. So let's an hour, have, yeah. Jesus, let's have a short break um, and please <laughs> hear from people at Calm or oh, us talking. us talking about the people at Calm. Yeah. We'll do it live right now. It's probably right now, isn't it? Yeah, just about now. Yeah, with Terry. Oops. We're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's. The Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. 
So if you're having a rough time, Calms, Helpline and Web Chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. Okay, let's let's wrap this up because nobody wants to hear from us two for for no, two no, hours. you're not getting two hours out of us. Especially as we've been talking between us, and you know, generally across the times in when me and you did the podcast to varying ratios. But the long and short of it is, if we have a two-hour pod, at least an hour of that is normally Terry talking. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of filling for us to do right now. Uh, we know nothing about sort of the lower levels of. Kazakhstani boxing. I'm still not convinced Terry does, but he can fill an hour with it. <laughs> Love you, Mr. Chapandama. <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs> right. What well, can you tell me? Uh, oh, actually, can I just ask? Nah. What's going on with Canelo and Golovkin? Because the last time I saw, um, is that just off now? Is One that of not... them's a ginger cheat. Right? Yeah. What about? Canelo. <laughs> um, um, about Colo- I mean, no, I, so I have personally, I have no appetite in seeing it again, just because I think Canelo didn't deserve it's it. Gone. I'm not interested. The yeah. whole thing's gone for me. Um, so the talk of it is that Canelo wants the fight again, as does Golovkin. I get right. If they said to me the fight is going to be next week, we're going to skip all the eight-week training camps because Canelo's pumped his body enough already. He's ready. He'll go. Yeah. Golovkin probably the same, let's be honest. Um, If they said the fight will be next week, I'm good with that. I'm perfectly happy with that. I can't put up with the weeks, the months of of what we've been through again. I think what it boils down to is the bollocks media hype, isn't it? That's what it boils... Yeah, if they said, surprise, we signed the contract, it's actually next week, you'd be like, oh, sweet. Yeah, we knew about this weeks ago. We've sorted it. To part with all of the shit and hyperbole before the fight. So that's where we're at at the moment. So the talk is that Canelo's team have said, basically, let's do it, September. We'll take 65%, you take 35%. And Golovkin's team have said, no, like 50-50 or nothing. Um... Yeah, but we need the money, man. <laughs> we got the Mexican cow to look after, man. Our cows are all sick, brother. <laughs> That's clearly racist. I'm sorry to anyone who's Mexican. Do any Mexican? Oh, it's not racist. <laughs> it's just a poor accent. <laughs> well, there's that, I suppose. There's yeah. nothing racist about it. I love Mexicans. I have my, my no, honeymoon there. No, the very... I mean, it's... <laughs> I love it. I had my honeymoon there. I can't believe I've got black friends. Uh, my argument right there was as bad as that so i actually went to mexico work do you remember when i went there so i went i went to mexico working um probably going back about three years now and uh cows wasn't it well so yeah that's what it was um so whilst i was over there they said to me you should be fine but just be careful when you're walking around on your own uh, they'd started uh, the t- people knowing more in deep, uh, more deeply about this than I do would perhaps be able to correct me on this. But from what I understood, and from what I was told at the time, they'd started doing something called express kidnapping, or nice. what had been dubbed. Like, is that like kidnapping. where you've got a Costa machine in the co-op now, so <laughs> I don't have to go to Costa? I can just do yeah. it quickly. So it's not like they Good. kidnap you and just hold you and then try and contact people and try and get money. No, 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 no. it's too long drawn out. <laughs> They'll just grab you, right? 
And as long as you've got some connection to, say, an ATM, they'll threaten you. You go to the ATM, you rinse the ATM. They'll take you away, stick you in a room, wait until midnight, take you back to that ATM. And they'll rinse you until that ATM stops working. No. And then they'll leave you on the street with your pants. And that's it. Shit. And so they were like, so it probably won't happen Because here. I'm assuming it's like over here where you can get 300 quid out at an ATM yeah, in a and, day or whatever. And so the equivalent would be over there, right? And then, So I'd be over there withdrawing X whatever Mexican pesos Anyway, which road did they leave you on? <laughs> <laughs> I went searching for these guys for ages. No, Please check uh, me to my pants, Mr. Mexican. <laughs> Fuck off, English man. <laughs> We don't do this, man. What do you want about <laughs> Gringo? Put your fucking trousers on, you weirdo, man. <laughs> so I'm shuffling around. Stop making around up rumors about our express. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to start this shit off, man. We're not doing this shit. Express kidnapping. Put your dick away, man. <laughs> do you want a burrito or not, man? <laughs> do you want a burrito? <laughs> <laughs> Here, use my sombrero to cover your piece, man. <laughs> I can see it's erect. <laughs> you can hold it on that, my friend. So, anyway, so they said to me, it probably won't. <laughs> gang raped in it Mexico. Prob- probably won't. Yeah. I, raped, I raped a gang in Mexico, is what happened. <laughs> you gave them 800 quid. <laughs> Keep the change as I walked off with a hat on and no underpants. Um, so I just so whistling Despacito I'm, or something just to really take the piss. I'm in Guadalajara and they said to me that it probably won't happen to you here because this is the the home of the cartels. So they do all their fighting. This is where all their families live. So they do it elsewhere. Well, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so. The, the end of this story loses its... We, it's we've just had to pause it because you forgot what we <laughs> were talking about at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> it was the fact that, um, yeah, with all this in mind, now bearing in mind half of that didn't happen, actually, but uh, I was getting told that I could get kidnapped and I was terrified, frankly. They'd put me in a five-star hotel and it might as well have been a prison. And now I'm sure people would be like, oh, yeah, oh, my heart bleeds. But it was so unbelievably boring just sitting in this I hotel. I remember you telling me at the time yeah, how bad it was. There was nothing special about this hotel. How it got five stars, I don't know. They must have just sellotaped two more stars to the wall or something. <laughs> um, but I remember I, I, I texted uh, Martin and said to him, oh, this place is doing my head in. I'm so bored. He said, uh, no, where exactly are I? So I'm in the middle of Guadalajara and I sort of explained there was a mall near me that I'd managed to muster the courage to walk across to. And then it felt like I was in uh, another another American mall anyway. So it's just so boring. Mine said, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. My experience of Mexico was a bar every 400 meters. <laughs> and it, and it, it, it just was that complete separation of, of two different worlds. <laughs> it is like the Mexico you go to visit as a tourist. I've never been. But the people... It's phenomenal. About, it's, yeah. And the, the if actual, you ever get a chance, go. And the rest of Mexico, if you ever get a chance, don't go. Because you'll get gamma rates and pay for it. Uh, and you'll come out of a sombrero. Yeah, brilliant. And an cool. So what are we talking about? Uh, Canelo Golovkin won't happen in September, be my guess. Canelo will fight, I don't know, uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, someone like that. 
Billy Joe Saunders is sat on the outside of all this looking in. Why, though? I don't get that. Because they made the Martin Murray fight and then they had to delay the Martin Murray fight because the injury to Saunders. And they must be regretting that. They must be. They can't be happy about that scenario that you've got Billy Joe Saunders sat around in a relatively meaningless fight, in a fight that carries very little threat. Whilst all this... You've got two legitimate opponents on the other side of the world... You would just love to be able to shift Billy and put them in there with them in some way, either of them. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a shame, really, for British boxing that Billy, again, we'll probably be lucky to see him in Viva from this year. Uh, okay, let's move on to our final stretch. White Pulev. What can you tell me about that? I've no idea what's going on here. Okay, so there were purse bids put out. Um, for Dillian White versus Kubrat Pulev. So Pulev, who Joshua was meant to be fighting initially at Cardiff when he ended up fighting Carlos Takam. Do you remember it was a late opponent yeah, switch? Yeah, yeah. So Pulev, um, basically this is to become mandatory under, for the for Joshua under one of the belts. I can't remember even which which ranking so body. So remind it is. me what why White isn't going for. Deontay Wilder's belt because they're messing him about so much. Uh, no, because the WBC said <laughs> you've got the silver, you've got the bronze, you've got the platinum, you've got the gold, you've paid all our sanctioning fees. Thank you very much. Now we're going to go and put um, Dominic Brazil, I think it is, into uh, into our mandatory position. So, like, yeah, that that happened. Controlled by Al Heyman. The situation's controlled in the background, you suspect, by Al Heyman. Um, and it's because they don't want the potential for White to get that belt and then it becomes all under Eddie Hearn's control? Yeah, or? yeah, you don't... The last thing you want is Wilder losing that belt. Uh, Through the back door. Yeah, or certainly to a fucking matchroom fighter because then that becomes a nightmare because Hearn can just do that and make Joshua, White, uh, Joshua versus White. There's none of this pissing about over 50 million. Um, but Dominic Briazil had a altercation with um, Deontay Wilder going back what twelve months. Threatened court action never happened. You suspect it didn't happen. The court action because there was probably an arrangement made whereby we'll fight for that world title instead. I won't take you to court. In return, we'll fight for that world title down the line. Now that's happening, or looks like it's happening. So. Is it, is, sorry, go on. So in the meantime, you've got White versus Pulev has been ordered for a mandatory position. Um, goes to purse bids. The Sowerland brothers bid £800,000. Can you I just quickly explain which. how purse bids work again? So what happens is, and I say, I can't remember who it is, if it's the WBA, the IBF, or So let's the say, for example, and this isn't the case, but let's say, for example, it's the IBF. All right, so their head offices, wherever they are, in your five-star hotel, right? We're going to say that's where they were, Gang Rape Central, etc. Um, <laughs> so they say, right, this time, this date, you need to send a representative. Send someone. You can't email it. You can't post it. You need to send your representative to our head offices, turn up with a sealed envelope, put it in like a car key party, put it in the middle, and then somebody else is going to pick them up. And then in that sealed envelope is what your bid is. And so nobody in theory should know what it is apart from you as the person who's taken it there or or your organisation. 
So Matchroom, well, Sauerland's bid 800,000, I think. Uh, I can't remember if it's dollars or pounds. Irrelevant almost. Um, Matchroom bid 840,000. So they came second. Sauerland's promote Pulev. Matchroom promotes White. Somebody else won the purse bid. So neither of... So anyone can come in on a purse Anyone. Bid. So if me and you crowdfunded, you know, one and a half million, we could have turned up with a with an offer for that fight. So this organisation have turned up. Um, I think they're based... The owner of the organisation is Bulgarian. They've put on... Which is where Pulev is from. They've put on one boxing show, I think, before. In America. I'm sure it was in America. Um, and they've turned up and they've gone, here's one and a half million. Or something like 1.2, 1.3 million. And they've put that purse bid in, wiped out Sowlands and Hearn. And now they've got responsibility for a fight of which neither of the two involved are their fighter. Um, which is brilliant. Is this, yeah, is this good or bad is what my question... Well... Is it the very Where's that Hearn billion gone? <laughs> okay, so the the money's meant to be ring fenced for America, but White versus Pulev is of international interest. You could argue if I was Hearn and I had a billion knocking about, I'd feel justified in saying one point five million. Right, I get that fight and I'll pay it out of the DAZN money and I'll put it on in America. Granted, there's not that much interest in either of them in America, but. If you needed to fund it some way that you get control of that fight, do it that way. But as it stands now, he's lost control of it. So he's lost control of Dillian White for a fight, as have the Sourlands with Pulev and some geezer that I don't even know who he is. I, I just wonder. I just wonder if it's... Al Heyman has a lot of... Um, he doesn't promote events himself. He has a lot of other promoters. It all comes back to that Muhammad Ali act that we've discussed before where you can't manage and promote fighters. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of um, subsidiaries, should we call them? But they're not officially... They're not like child companies of Al Heyman. They're just other promoters that put shows on with Al Heyman's fighters. Right. Call it what you like. <laughs> it's difficult to explain without slandering someone probably. You do wonder, Hearn's turned up in America and gone, I'm Billy Big Bollocks, I've got a billion dollars. The first purse bid of any notice, any reasonable fight, the first purse bid that's turned up and he's lost it to somebody that doesn't have an interest in either of the fighters. Yeah. Is that Al Heyman saying to someone, here's one and a half million, you turn up, you go and get that fight, bring it back for me. That would make more sense because my question was going to be, if the Sowlands and Matchroom have valued it at, all right, generally speaking, ballroom, ballpark figures of around the same. This lot have put 50% on top yeah, of that. Yeah, that, is it just overvalued? Like, I mean... It's worth what someone will pay for it. Yeah, I guess so. But presumably the Sowlands and Hearn have figured out what they can recoup for in the from selling it on. It, it would seem to say that whoever's bid for this has more to gain than just a financial reward. Yeah, in the same way that, you know, the, we go back to the Adrian Broner stuff, and you say you could overpay for Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner said it was a slave contract that he's been offered, only four million or whatever for a year. Slave contract, what he called it. Um, you know, if you offered him, 
50% more than that, $6 million, then you're paying over the odds. You're paying over the odds for White versus Pulev. If you think it's worth $1.3 million, it's probably not. Hearn's stuck with it. You know, if he'd have got it, he can't, or he'd have struggled to justify putting that on as a pay-per-view in the UK because no one really knows who Pulev is. If he'd have fought Joshua, people would know who he was, but no one really knows who he is right now. Um, the other interesting thing that's coming up at the moment is that if Joshua doesn't fight Wilder, he's got Povetkin as one of his mandatories. Now, Ryabinski, who is the guy that controls the money behind um, Povetkin, he's the guy that paid $35 million for Klitschko versus Povetkin. Like, blew everybody out of the water. Um, like, stupid amount of money, $35 million. So don't for a second, rule out the possibility that if Joshua ends up fighting Povetkin, Ryabinski could turn up with 35 million, 40 million at a purse bid, and therefore Joshua has to travel over on his terms and fight in Russia. Don't rule that out as a possibility, especially on the back of losing this purse bid. Like, Hearn doesn't want that either. Like, you, you don't want to be in a blind auction with Ryabinski. Because that man's got fucking money to burn. Is it all? Do, do fights always come down to purse bids? No, they'll try and negotiate it beforehand. So you've got um, by the time the fight is mandated. So I don't know. Say so the IBF. Say Anthony, you've got uh, your your mandatory is due. We're calling it now. You've got like sixty days to negotiate terms. If you can't do it, then you get a purse bid on this day. Right. Um, so yeah, there is a period whereby you're expected to try and sort it out, and Hearn will be trying to sort that out because he doesn't want a blind auction with with Povetkin's team because they're mad. No one should be paying that kind of money. But they it, did the same it, for it, Wilder as well. Well, at the time that Povetkin failed his drugs test, Wilder was due to go and fight over in Russia because while uh, Povetkin's team had fronted all the money for that as well, like eight million, I think they bid. So let's say, right, you are um, you're a big mogul guy from Australia, let's yeah. say, and you're a billionaire. Good day, mate. <laughs> you're a, you're a billionaire, and you've got Great news. a heavyweight champion of the world yes. under your control, right? For the WBU or whatever, right? Great title. And you want a shot at one of Anthony Joshua's titles. Get that Sheila over here, mate. But you can't you can't be bothered to go through dealing with Eddie Hearn. Nah. Guy's a fucking scoundrel. <laughs> but so would it Cobber. Would it make sense for you to use your considerable wealth and kangaroos to get an Anthony Joshua mandatory to not agree to terms, wait for it to go to purse bids, then bid massively over the top for that purse bid, so that then you can dictate terms, and then say, I want the fight in, I don't know, well, all right, Perth, let's say. So that now you've got, out of his comfort zone, you'll give it, basically you're giving every, you're waiting the system so you can get that belt off him. Now, if that belt's worth enough, what I'm saying to you is the system is open for abuse to the point where if you've got enough money, you can, and influence, you can drag that belt off someone just by making the situation as uncomfortable as possible for them. It's not abuse at all. It's a great system. I fucking love the system. 
I do, because in that scenario, you're absolutely right. Like, the Australian dude puts up 40 million out of the blue. Like, not even his fight, but just takes it. Puts it over there. Okay, so he's got the Australian boxer in that scenario. Now, what he's banking on is that his boxer can survive the 12 rounds and, you know, he's put the judges in nice enough hotels, given them enough prostitutes and drugs for the week <laughs> that they're going to give him the hometown decision. That's what you're banking on. If you do that and you get that belt, you've now got the guy that beat Anthony Joshua. And the better news is that Anthony Joshua is going to want those belts back. And so you start, you know, Joshua would easily get himself into a mandatory position. So then you go back into that cycle of purse bids or like, you know, discussions and then purse bids. And now you're selling it back. So, you know, you can either try and have it yourself again, or you know that Hearn is going to be determined to get it back in the UK because he needs that world heavyweight title. And so you know that he's going to be bidding higher than he did. He probably tried to lowball it because that's a bit of a Hearn tactic first time round. You've oh. now you you would be banking on the fact that the rematch you're selling back for more than you bought it for in the first instance. Um, we've probably covered this before, but just refresh my memory. Why couldn't Anthony Joshua go? You know what? I'm going to put myself in a mandatory position for the WBC because he's got belts. The WBC won't rank him because he holds other world titles. Right? Is that is that literally what? That's it is? That's the same for everyone. It's not just the WBC. Like, and uh, for what reason as the WBC would you do that? Is, that, um, is it just as, because, because look, I, I could make you say you're the world champion say you're Anthony Joshua in that position and I'm the WBC I can say to you you're now number one congratulations and you'll say well that's fine but I've got mandatories to take care of over here over here over here you can make a unification at any point that trumps it supersedes a, a mandatory defense and so the WBC can say right skip all of your mandatory you can take that unification fight so you don't need to be ranked within it you oh, can just okay. at any point pull the trigger and and make it it's uh, what i was getting uh, it's just that it would for it would force someone do you know like if if wilder did something with Anthony joshua it would force someone to do something otherwise their belt would get taken off them right yeah but because it trumps everything it almost can be something that never happens which is well I'm sure most people agree with me. Very frustrating. Okay, um, much as we alluded to earlier, we have uh, we've now been going for an well, just over an hour and a half. So, because we have nothing to talk about tonight, Martin, we'll just we're gonna we've asked for loads of questions. So sorry. Okay, <laughs> so I'll the agenda was looking thin. I'll the agenda was looking like McDonald on the scales. I'll go through the questions and we'll decide whether we've already answered them or not. That sounds fair. Um, Apologies to those we have. Small Hall Scene asks, fast forward five years time, what Brits do you think will be elite level, if any, not world title holders, genuine elite fighters? Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor is the answer to anyone when we ask where are we going to be in five years time. The Olympians that came out, I'm not convinced about. I'm not sold on Boazzi yet. Uh, I know he said, don't you dare pick a Coley. Not sold on a Coley. A Coley's going to have to move up to heavyweight at some or point. Or he even bothers to mention Fowler. Anthony Fowler. Nah, I'm not bothered about Fowler. Like, mm. he doesn't even come in. If you're talking elite, like, other than being quite annoying on Instagram and Twitter, he's not elite anything. Mm. Um, oh, got that. Josh There's Taylor. Josh Taylor's the obvious. Ruined my mood just seeing that name. 
Um, I can't. There, there's nobody I'm particularly sold on outside of that. Five that, years is a long time. What about Daniel Dubois? I'm not sold on him. I'm not. I know Terry. What about is. Andy Yard? <laughs> Next. <laughs> Terry would say he's already elite. Yeah, the rest of the world's <laughs> catching up with Anthony Yard. Uh, Walker asks, if Burnett sticks his chin out against Inoue, how long will he be asleep for? <laughs> Can so, you get, is there any background to this? Or? Right, so this is the World Boxing Super Series. So you're looking at a scenario now where you've got Tete, Burnett, uh, was it Rodriguez, name escapes me, the one that came over and beat Paul Butler. Um, and now Nayu Inoue, so four like legitimate <clears throat> best in the world. So there's no point filling up the away category. You know how like the World Boxing Super Series, they have the four like top seeds and they go and pick their opponent by hand. Don't bother with that. Skip that part because the other four are all going to get their heads fucked up anyway by these four. So it's a pointless first round. Just go straight to the semis. Anyway, Burnett with his flashy style... You, you like the one where he's got that big thing on a pole where he's just practicing the head uh, movement. <laughs> so stupid. Invaded by a moose. Sorry. Uh, um, is that stupid? That drill where that bloke's got... A, so a, yeah, he had Josh Kelly on the end of it. And he's just like thrusting in one direction and he's just moving left and right. Look, I'm not a professional trainer by any means and I may have missed the... Uh, Surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> I may have missed the training benefits that that gives you, but it just looked like an absolute load of shit to me. But sorry, yes, I am yeah. familiar with it. Okay, so like, Burnett has that flashy style. You know that one and a half minute video you watched earlier of Inoue just walking in and smashing a man to pieces? Yeah. Imagine that against a guy whose style is to leave your hands down, try and, you know, slip shots all the time, counter but never try and um, force yourself onto your opponent, Inoue will cause him a lot of problems. Um, Dan Glossier asks, or that could be Glossier, um, but, you know... Is that like Glazier, the one that cheated the World Cup or whatever? Like the American geezer? I'm not familiar. Glazier who cheated the World Cup? It was the American that uh, that died. Ah, uh, FIFA representative. Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Dan uh, Glazier? Yeah. Am I making that name up? I don't got f- Yeah, the big fat guy. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't narrow it down. We're talking about Americans. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know enough about the story, but I do know like a... Yeah, he was found dead shortly after. Like, yeah. looking at the size of him, you can get away with that. Yeah. That- Whoops, he had a heart attack. Everyone's like, yeah, fair one. Yeah. Phew. <laughs> Don't check the poison levels. <laughs> Send um, him to Shrewsbury. Be fine. So anyway, this apparently dead guy says, I think I know the answer. <laughs> I think I know the answer already, but thoughts on AJ asking for a two-fight deal with Wilder. Another delaying tactic? We did, 100%. We did 100%. cover it, but yeah. Yes. Uh, Paul Altai asks... When you see offering Broner over two million for one fight, but then loses a purse bid for White, which was only won at one point five million, does it reflect his commitment on the to the fighter or not? It's an interesting one. Well, I was saying earlier one point two. It's actually two point two, I think, per fight. Two, two point two, and two point four. So it's nearer seven rather than the figures I was quoting earlier. So apologies if anyone sat there going, "You fucking idiot," you were right. <laughs> um, 
what it raises a question of is if you're a UK fighter, I've heard a lot of stories about some of the UK fighters that ultimately Hearn's got to scrimp and save where he can. So, look, if you're, say, a, a Ricky Burns, Hearn isn't flash with cash. He, he said he overpaid Anthony Crawler to win a world title because he had a personal affection for Anthony Crawler. But it's not the case for all of them. Like a Ricky Burns, who he doesn't have that personal affection towards. I've heard stories, whether they're true or not, I don't know, that Hearn will try and cut some of the money off, essentially, like try and pay him less, whereas, which of course no, he's going to I do. said 16, not 60. <laughs> that, that sort of way. <laughs> now just try and barter him down a bit. Yeah. At the same time, you're over in America offering out 2.2 million to Adrian Broner. If I'm Ricky Burns sat in the UK, I'm thinking, what the fuck? Like, Surely they can't be, however stereotypically stupid boxers are, they can't be uh, totally numb to the idea that they're not a big draw in America and America is a massive market in comparison to England. Which is fine, but you've got the same boss. You've got the same boss, ultimately, who, like, as much as it might be over in America or might be in the UK, they're all sharing one pot of matchroom money, irrespective of where that money's coming from. I would expect if I was Ricky Burns, I'm going to get some of that fed over. Yeah, I mean, see, I mean, don't get me wrong. It wouldn't surprise me if they did think that. But you, but I feel like that in the, on this occasion, you'd be justified in coming back to them and saying... Well, I have to sell once I've once I've bought you essentially to to fight X amount of fights. I have to sell that to people who are going to make that money back for me. And Ricky Burns is not going to sell in South Dakota two hundred thousand subscriptions or whatever. You know. Um, okay, uh, lead right. Riku asks, "What does the future hold for Box Nation with Frank Warren's best fighters?" fighting exclusively on BT Sport. So this is in reference to uh, Tyson Fury won't be fighting on Box Nation. So Tyson Fury versus um, the, the Safari, is it? The guy who's the second best Albanian cruiserweight. I mean, what a hell of a hell of an opponent to return against. Um, what a guy. That what a incre- guy. That sounds incredible. Can't wait for that fight. Magic. Um Nah, fair enough. Like that. We saw how good the third best heavyweight in. <laughs> no, he's in not Australia even heavyweight. He's a cruiserweight. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah. I don't have an issue with it. Whatever. Like it's Tyson's return fight. Just let him, let him have it. It's, it's a about, second fight. I'd have an issue with. If it's it kind of yeah. It's kind of about seeing if he still got what he had. Although Hearn said the reason he wasn't that interested is because Fury had earmarked that he wanted three or four knockover fights before taking a serious fight. So don't anticipate three or four. anything. Yeah. That's what Hearn said. I didn't. I wasn't that disappointed not to get him because for this phase of where he's at in his career, he wanted knockover fights. He wanted easy fights. So I wasn't. I wasn't prepared to pay him for those those fights. I'll pay him for other fights. Um, but the fact that they're going to be only shown on BT Sport and not shown on Box Nation—that sounds like a death knell to Box Nation. If I'm a Box Nation subscriber, I'd be fucking raging. Imagine that. You're paying for a channel called Box Nation. And the guy who owns it is in cahoots with BT Sport. And now the fights you could have watched on the channel you're paying, what, £12 a month for? 
is now on another channel. I think it's because they're, t- they're going to be too busy showing a rerun of Warrington Selby. <laughs> Straight after Eubank Saunders. <laughs> um, no, I'd be absolutely livid. So I can only think, and I said it at the time, that there's no way you can sustain Box Nation as a channel. Maybe they move it online or something. You get it free as part of BT Sport. It'd be a shame to lose it because they show a lot of... Um, a lot of the lower level domestic stuff but even then you've got how can I say this without getting so go back to Warrington Selby (laughs) how long have they Ahara Davis right how long have they been building up they signed Ahara Davis from Matchroom after he got chucked under the bus a bit about the whole uh, Liverpool thing and so Frank Warren, they made a huge deal out of signing him. They've been pushing Ahara Davis in our faces, right? He goes to make his debut last weekend on Selby Warrington. They didn't show it. <laughs> they didn't show it. And you wonder why you're fucking miles behind the premier promoter in the country. Granted, it was a terrible fight. It was like some French dude that took it at about an hour's notice. I'm not even like making that up. It was it was genuinely like I think they changed it after the weigh-in the day before or something. What? It was madness. Um But here's the point, I said it at the time. If that was Eddie Hearn doing it in reverse, if Eddie Hearn had signed him, gone through the same rigmarole, he'd have put him out. He'd have put him out and he'd have shown him and then he'd have stood like ringside by the apron telling everyone that was a world-class performance yeah the opponent wasn't who we wanted but that was a world-class performance and that's why we signed him and that's the ahara davis you're gonna see him blah 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 he would have sold us the narrative on it instead they didn't show it like i think they might have recorded it and showed it later on but um, come on man you can't you can't make a big deal of signing someone and then not show their debut <laughs> he's got a bigger fight lined up josh leather coming up uh not too long this month june maybe um so again they're gonna make a bigger deal out of that but as i say hearn would have done it hearn would have shown him against this french journeyman hearn would have stood there and told us you know it wasn't perfect the scenario wasn't great but that shows you why we signed him um this is probably one um and this is not to disparage against your knowledge at all, but probably one more for Terry. But Good, because I've run out of voice. What is Brendan Ingle's legacy and impact on British boxing? RIP Brendan Ingle. Um, touch on that first. So Sheffield trainer died this week, died in the same week as Dean Francis, who'd been long suffering from cancer. So pretty terrible news. Um, for all that we try and make it jovial or criticise certain things like the deaths of those involved especially the young you know the likes of Dean Francis tragic what's the legacy of Brendan Ingle everyone's always going to say the Ingle gym is synonymous with a free flowing fancy style because that's where Naz came out of Um, but Naz would have had that style anywhere Naz would have, you know, if, if Naz was trained by Joe Gallagher, he would have still come out with his hands down, dancing around the ring, pissing about, just having fun, because that was Naz. This would have been in straight lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, you couldn't have trained that out of Naz. Not to say that Brendan didn't have any input to it whatsoever. There's a bigger legacy to Brendan Ingle, and you only hear about these things after somebody dies. Nobody was talking about Brendan Ingle's legacy two weeks ago. They talk about it now because of of where he died. 
you get that. You can't always talk about how great somebody is whilst they're living because it'd be a bit mad. Yeah. Um, yeah it's the you're right. It's the same with everyone. Yeah, but there's a lot of touching stories that have come out about Ingle um, and how basically, like, his legacy isn't necessarily um, about what he did with the pros, although he did some fantastic stuff. So with your, um, your Johnny Nelsons, with your Ryan Rhodes, your Prince and the Seams, uh, Clinton Woods, did some fantastic stuff. But he changed the lives of a lot of people that he would bring into that gym. And he would allow everyday people to come in and train in the Ingle gym. Um, and just come in and train alongside your world champions. You wouldn't get that today. Like Gallagher, uh, Gallagher doesn't own his gym anyway. It's Amir Khan's gym. But he wouldn't have open sessions whereby you can go in and train with his lads. Down at Tony Sims gym in Essex, you wouldn't have open sessions whereby you can go in and train alongside Cordina, alongside Ricky Burns, you just wouldn't. Whereas you can do that. I'm not saying you go and spar Prince Nassim or Johnny Nelson, but you'd be able to go and hit the bag whilst they're hitting the bag over there. And he used to change a lot of lives, taking ordinary people in and, and giving them that opportunity. Um, but you're right, Terry. Terry's a lot closer to the situation and will be able to, I'm sure, do a far better job than I did next week. How many questions have we got? Not- Why's on the way over soon? Uh, okay, well, let's blast through them then. How shite is Umar from IFL TV? Embarrassing. Embarrassing, right? This geezer was at York Hall last week. Um, I watched a few of his interviews. Reese Catamole made his debut. Reese Catamole is a deaf man. <laughs> Reese Catamole is the only registered UK deaf boxer. Made his debut last week. Fucking brilliant fight. Absolutely brilliant fight. Um... Like, and I'm not saying for a deaf person. I'm just saying it was a brilliant fight to watch. Like a real scrap, a tear up. The lad can fight though. Make no mistake about it. They interview him afterwards. This Umar lad interviews him around the back of York Hall. Now I know Reese. I've interviewed Reese. I've had to interview Reese on Skype essentially because he can't hear very well. Uh, he can hear limited amounts with a hearing aid in, but it's Hence easier. the reason he's registered deaf. Yeah, it's easier to interview him over Skype because he can lip read. Right. And so he gets some of that out of you. You've got the perfect opportunity to talk to Reese and spread some light on what it's like in that scenario. What was it like when, you know, did you hear the bell? Did you, what was it like when the ref shouted break? Give these viewers at home something to... Something different. You've got the perfect opportunity. I get you might want to treat him as every other boxer, but actually it's quite difficult because, and I've got a deaf mum, so I know the difficulties of deafness, right? I've got a fully deaf mum. I know what it's like. Reese speaks in a way that you can tell that it's not the same as, say, you or I. He speaks as somebody who's been deaf from birth. That's very, it's a different way. Umar never mentions it during the interview whatsoever that we've got Reese Catamol, the only registered UK deaf boxer. Here's his story. Doesn't mention it whatsoever. Just ask him some generically shitty questions. And actually, you've then got Reese going, What? What? And having to turn to his trainer, a guy called Rob Otley, because he didn't pick up the question that Umar had asked him. And actually, like. It made me a little bit angry watching it because I thought I can see, I can see. No, it genuinely did because I thought if you're a viewer at home and you don't know anything whatsoever about Reese, you're probably sat thinking, "Fucks up with this geezer!" Like yeah. not listening to the questions or, or why is he talking? 
the fact they never shed any light on it, and he did some shitty other question, uh, interviews as well. Did one with Curtis Felix, who's just gone up to like five and zero or whatever. And they're in the the changing rooms after Curtis. How was that fight for you? Yeah, yeah it's all right. Yeah, good fight. Yeah, you're five and zero now. Yeah, yeah, good fight. Who do you think's going to win later on between like so and so in America and so? Like, you haven't asked him anything about the guy's career whatsoever, and I thought. You're actually damaging that IFL brand. I get you've got to blood people in a little bit. I'm okay with that. Like, IFL, James and Coogan don't go to York Hall. They don't go to the small hall shows necessarily. So they get other lads that they can pay pittance, from what I understand, uh, to go and do some video interviews. But somebody who wants the opportunity, someone like Umar, but it damages your brand, IFL, because he's fucking terrible at it. And so you're the best boxing platform out there. You're better than us. You're better than any video um, any video platform out there. But you're letting fucking useless people have access to your brand. And you shouldn't be doing that. It, it looks crap. Um, Scott McGee. Shout out to Scott. Uh, it's coming on to the live show. Uh, where art thou, Romeo Romeo? Romeo Romeo. I don't know where Romeo Romeo is, okay? Um... Not fought in a few years now, he says. So Romeo Romeo was coming up with Ahara Davis at around the same kind of time uh, when they were both fairly early on in their career. I interviewed Romeo. He was talking about how his dad... His dad was um, ex-prison. He'd been in prison for something. Um, and was like he was taking him through special forces training as a kid, basically. He took him out of school, grew him up to be a fighter. Very respectful kid, Romeo, actually, on the phone. Really nice lad. Didn't go to school. I say dad took him out, homeschooled him. Uh, and just brought him up like in the woods basically was a story yeah, okay. don't think that's necessarily true because he also used to spar quite a lot down at, like the peacock gym in the middle of london so i'm not quite sure the two stories align completely don't know where he went disappeared off the planet pretty much um and then turned up on a dating program like celebrities go dating or something one day just turned up for one episode like stretched the the definition of celebrity beyond all realms and that's it which is not often the case. They don't normally stretch that tag of celebrity to the extent that you feel it's incredulous. It's normally A-list all the way. Well, wife's um, outside. Better uh, rattle through these. Right, okay. Uh, uh, you, uh, do you think that Warrington will ever reach that performance level again, Scott McGee? One word answer. Or I wish a quick one to explain um, if you wish. Yes, as long as the opponent is correct, I think they'll very much take a an easy approach of him for a little while, and I don't blame them. So apologies to anyone here that feels they're getting shortchanged from your questions, but you're going to have to get a blast through because uh, the wife and three, three children kids outside. John Bailey asks: Are the bigger names in the US boxing? Uh, are the bigger names in the US? promoters, fighters, and networks joining ranks to push out Hearn. This is what we said earlier, is that actually there are going to be lots of barriers in the way of stopping him succeeding. None more so than the fact that you've got established names and brands already there that that it's in their best interest to pull together a little bit and join ranks. certainly is, given the fact that Hearn's ob- made it obvious that if it's not within his own interests necessarily... He doesn't give a toss about you. So if he then dominates the US market, they know people know they're going to end up getting shortchanged. So if they're happy with their current situation, then they're not going to gamble on taking someone else who's already got somewhat a bad rep in certain scenarios. Yes. 
British Boxing Blog asks, there's been a lot of hype around stadium fights in the UK recently. If Deontay Wilder comes over here to face AJ and they eventually get it on, in which round does Anthony Yard stop? <laughs> does Anthony Yard stop the winner? That actually, that actually threw me. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Terry isn't here to answer that, but I'm sure he would say first, first round. Changing rooms. Uh, the bell probably wouldn't have even stopped ringing by the time the, the fight was over. Carl Chapman asks, is it possible that Selby was ever so slightly overrated? Yes. And seeing that Kelbrook congratulated Josh via Twitter after he went 12 rounds like a coked up Essex boy, do you think he's beyond that special Sheffield diet? Um, I hear a lot of stories that maybe Kel enjoys his life outside the ring when he's not boxing. What about Warrington though? Has he been on this special? Has he been on a special? Watch the video. Watch the Mackie D's video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that comes actually. Question on that. Dumps asks, "How fucking stupid is Frank Warren for tweeting out a video of Josh Warrington's mates mates passing around cocaine?" Now, for all these people that think it's fucking salt, you're mental. You clearly can't see the video properly, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But don't argue with me on Twitter that it's salt because it quite clearly isn't salt. Okay? For the record and for Frank's lawyers, I think it's salt. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is in that small uh, baggie. right? In that small baggie with the white powder. Yeah. You don't know what it is. I don't know no. what it is, but it's not a sachet of McDonald's salt that gets tossed across the table. Because it's quite oh, just clearly... just because of the way that the shadow falls. <laughs> what kind of shadow makes something look like a baggie? Um, um, so, it, to me, look, it's a very salient point that um, one promoter would have owned that situation and dealt with it. Let's go back to the whole Anthony Joshua scenario whereby he started talking about supremacy and how that got buried on every platform. And then you've got yeah, one where somebody's got a bag of... and then left alone. <laughs> yeah, and nobody ever questioned that. And then you've got another one where you've got a brand new world champion. The next day, your official Twitter account is tweeting that video out. Like, come on, man. Oh, fucking hell. That is actually the final question. Sweet. So you Caroline. can go... Ba, ba, ba. Lovely Kitty Winkles. Seems so good. I won't Thank be here next week, probably. Probably. I'm having um, knee surgery on having a wooden leg fitted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we've got Umar Sadiq aiming to come up here in a couple of weeks before his fight on the Billy Joe Saunders and Martin Murray undercard. Um, so, yeah, just keep you all updated. So, a varied few weeks in store. And um, we've got a live show coming up. Buy tickets for the live show. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm not going to do too much into it because we don't have enough time, but please buy some tickets and come along. That'd be really cool. Ticketweb.com, July 26th, London, somewhere. Um, assuming I'm still alive and the surgery doesn't go horrendously wrong. In yeah. which case, do like a, a eulogy of me next week, will you? Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, we'll get. Oh, I'll get Terry to do it. It'll last a long time then. No, a it long would, to be time. Fair. It would. <laughs> Right, thank you very much for listening. Um, Apologies, it's only been us two for the week. Hopefully we've not bored you too much. We will see you next... Well, uh, probably won't see me, unless I can sort out some logistics. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye.
it's a uh, fuck about dress down day today, isn't it? So, hi, welcome to the pod. It's the Nourish Boxing Podcast. That's the worst start you've ever done. I'm impressed by it. I'm uh, just leaning past the microphone so I can pick up this beer. You're not even going to bother redoing it either. We're going with that. Do you want to go that one? I can. It's too late now. I can stick it on the end. Nah, it's too late now. No, it's just dire. <laughs> it's just dire. 